Welcome back to American Zest. This is episode two, a history of the American Pit Bull Terrier. I'm going to go ahead and get started with looking at the year 1760. So just to preface this episode a little bit, I will be looking at some art that was created in the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s to depict the bulldog, the original bulldog that was used um, to create the American Pit Bull Terrier. And I do think we need to go back that far. And I'll explain it as I go through some of these art styles, but I'll be looking at three for today's episode. And I believe I'm going to need another episode for this. Um, there's just a lot of art out there and a lot to dig through as far as um, the blood sports go. And I'll, I'll post some of the resources I use to get this information online at AmericanZest.net. So this first image is from 1760. Uh, it is a bear baiting statue and it is pretty intense. And so I, I like to look at art. I appreciate it a lot, depending on what it is I'm looking at. So in this case, if I'm just being objective, I'm thinking this is uh, a lot of talent here with the expressions of the dogs and the bear, and it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> uh, if I'm honest, I'm looking at the weird lanky toes on this thing, and it's just very garish, which I, I think is meant to be um, portrayed as garish and uh, pretty brutal. But the reason this one interested me was the shapes of these dogs. If you look at the length of the leg, the length of the bodies and that blocky head, it is very much uh, reminiscent of today's American Pit Bull Terrier, including this longer tail. Um, because you look at some terriers and you see the shorter tails on them, and there's certainly some imagery of bulldogs with shorter tails, but you can see that there's definitely specimens that have the longer tail, which is what the pit bull has. And so the pit bull's tail is not to be too long and too high set. It does if you... Um, kind of press it against the one of the rear legs of the dog, it should end at the top of the hock of the, of the leg. So nice thin tails, but uh, that is a pit bull trait. And so just looking at these dogs, I'm seeing a lot that is reminiscent of today's breed, with the exception of maybe a snout or a muzzle that's a bit longer um, and probably not as defined a stop on the head. And so I'll Probably insert in the video online a image real quick, just defining the terms I'm going to be using. Um, the stop is that area between the eyes and the bridge of the nose or the bridge of the muzzle. Um, so not quite as defined here. The ears are interesting, but just overall, I thought, you know, 1760s is, is what when this was created. And I just thought that was very um, telling on, on the fact that the, these dogs have been bred for that long. And so the, the bulldogs, and speaking of how long they've been bred, I mean, this sport was popular from the 12th century all the way to the 19th century. And these were trained dogs that they had set on these uh, bears or bulls. Uh, in the later years, I was reading that it was more bulls than it was the bears just because of the rarity of the bears. Um, they could no longer keep up with that and, and being able to provide enough bears. But I did read uh, in the Britannica that there was a an event in 1575 where Queen Elizabeth I was invited to, and they had to provide 13 bears for that event. Um, so I, I did see in some areas people like to say that maybe or, or there's this one thought that the dogfighting um, sport kind of was born of poverty. I don't think that's true. Uh, obviously, with these bear baiting events, there was definitely something that uh, 
people of luxury were coming to see. It was simply a sport. And there were a lot of really bizarre sports at that time. Uh, but I'm mainly going to be focusing on the bull baiting and bear baiting side. Because basically from the 12th century to the 19th century, you would have had these um, incredibly strong breeds, these large bulldogs that were set and trained for these events. And so that's a lot of years. It's a lot of consistency in a dog. And it's what I believe has really ingrained these traits. I mean, this is an instinct that is bred into these dogs for centuries. And so they're very tenacious. And I've always, you know, the more I look into the history, the more I think that there's probably a lot more bulldog in the mix <laughs> than there is terrier. Um, definitely physically, when you look at these dogs, you can... Um, see a lot more strength in them. And I think it just makes sense if you've got a dog that was bred so um, consistently for certain traits in the bear baiting or bull baiting ring, uh, they're probably going to be pretty founded, you know, within the genetics of the dog. And so even something that's slightly mixed with a pit bull can still show that blocky, well-known head. So the next image that I will look at, and then again, some of these are, I don't know if they'll make anybody uneasy. They tend to be just, I mean, the ones I'm going to be looking at today and, and talking about today are just statues. And so here's another one. It's a bear baiting uh, porcelain statue, or this one actually I think might have been clay. And it was made in 1800. And so again, a dog that looks very similar to the pit bull, today's pit bull in, in its shape and its kind of silhouette. If you look at the outline of the dog with its uh, tight ears. A shorter tail here, but still um, interesting to look at. So it was definitely a common practice. And so bulls, the, the pit bull, or not the pit bull, I'm sorry. The bulldog was used by farmers to tenderize the meat of the bull. And so uh, they were, they would set up the bulldogs often to capture the bull and to bait the bull prior to the butcher coming in and taking it to slaughter. Um, I was reading in some areas where they believe that that tenderized the meat and um, made the meat better to eat. And so bulldogs were definitely there for the butcher as well. And there's this one art um, or this one painting that I'll look at later, probably in the next episode called Low Life. If you want to search that one, it's got a bull type dog or it's also referred to as a terrier at the doorway and it's the working man's dog and there's a butcher up on the counter up behind it i think looking at all these different art or images and sculptures tells the person what this history was there's no making it up there's not really a way that you can say the pit bull didn't come from this and so that's my purpose here is just to kind of not only tell the history of, of where the pit bull came from, but to really say, hey, you cannot say that this isn't the case. <laughs> um, this is the case because I've just I've seen so much out there that's completely false information and very, very recent information. They'll take, you know, some stories from the recent years. Maybe they'll look at the 40s or 50s and they want to pull some images of dogs with kids and tell different stories or, or maybe completely wash away the dog fighting and saying only some dogs were fought or whatever. Or again, that story that it was a class thing where it was born of poverty. And it's like, no, this wasn't something that the, I mean, I'm sure everybody was involved here. <laughs> it seemed to be celebrated by the general population when it was popular. And in the early 1800s, so around this time, they would have been developing dog fighting as well. And also around this time, the baiting, the blood sports were falling out of the um, approval of the public eye. People were starting to make a little more noise, you know, saying this is pretty brutal. It's cruelty. Uh, two different schools of thought were there. There was the religious who 
could see some of the gambling involved and the overall environment that was going on around these sports and they disapproved of it. And so they wanted to ban these uh, blood sports for that, not necessarily due to the animals or any cruelty to the animals, but because of what they saw in the people who were involved in those sports. And then on the other side, there were people who were advocating for the animals and saying this is just cruel to uh, tie a bear down. And so that is what would happen here is they would tie the bear down. And there's um, some descriptions of the the dog who wins is the dog that pins the bear down. And so sometimes the bear would win. Other times you'd have a dog that would win. And uh, I was reading that there was certain celebrities in that time. Um, and it kind of ran through some of the names of celebrity bears or dogs at that time. And just looking at the size difference, I mean, these dogs were bred to be fearless. A complete um, lack of regard for its own survival. The bull is massive. The dogs are smaller. Um, even though they're fairly large dogs, they're just so much smaller. And they're coming in fearless and grabbing onto the mouth of the bull or the nose of the bull. And the same thing with the bear. Uh, and just hanging on and, and bringing those animals down. And that takes a lot of strength, a lot of um, determination. And a certain amount of training. I mean, I, I'll show some paintings um, later on as well that uh, were painted of the people in the ring and all around the dogs and the wild animals. And it's interesting to see that because these dogs were not turning and attacking the people in any of these images. They're always hanging onto a bull or a bear and very focused very much like a hunting dog that is going after, you know, those terriers that you could see in various uh, paintings. There's certainly a lot of them going after badgers, going into the holes to get the badger. I mean, that is some intense prey drive. And that also is what um, they ended up getting to uh, stick into the bulldog and create a very game, tenacious, strong um, animal for dog fighting. And so you get, you kind of mix those two and you get quite an intense dog. And I, I for one, think that this is the uh, very unique dog and the best breed out there. It has a ton of character. Uh, it is a gorgeous dog. It's a lot of strength, a lot of balance to it overall when bred well. Um, so this one, I just thought this was a pretty good uh, sculpture kind of depicting that size difference. Um, but the next one is one that was early 1800s created. It didn't really give me a specific year, um, but roughly somewhere between 1800 and 1830. So again, right when they're crossing bulldogs and terriers to create the perfect dog fighting dog, because they, they were very intentional about this. The same thing with the baiting dogs, how they were intentional about breeding dogs that could pin these animals down for entertainment. But these were well-trained dogs that were meant to, to know to pin the, the bear down or the bull down. And so in this image, um, <laughs> this now I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, okay, the way it is described is um, <laughs> that the, where is it? Oh, they kind of had a tagline on this one that mentioned baiting. I don't know that this is particular, like in a baiting ring at all. Um, it could just be on a farm where the butcher is going out and probably sending the bulldog to go catch the bull. And you can see that there's a bell on the neck here. So probably something depicting a farmer who has fallen um, and the bull or the dog hanging onto the bull. And this actually very much reminded me of a video that was going through online with a bull terrier. Um, maybe I'll go look for that and post it in the, on the website as well. But that was pretty interesting. The bull terrier ran into the ring where um, I, I don't know if the man was his owner. I think he was. He had been um, caught by the bull and flung. 
and this this bull was getting ready to go after him again and this bull terrier just completely fearless comes flying into the ring grabs onto the bull and just hangs on the, the dog made it out okay and so did the man um, but just interesting that instinct that is in these dogs and so they don't really know which terrier was bred with the bulldog um, I believe that it said it was the white terrier or I, I keep seeing references to the white terrier um, but as we go through here there's and I, I definitely think that's let me see. I think I have a few of um, labeled items that are labeled white terrier, but I'll get into those in the next episode. I just want to try and consistently get some of this information out. So this one, I'm just focusing on this early 1800s um, and then just trying to touch on the blood sports that were a um, condoned and celebrated thing back at that time. Uh, Shakespeare wrote about bear baiting. Uh, so there's definitely... A familiarity with the breeds and, or with the bulldog and bulls and bears and this sort of sport at that time. It wasn't a taboo or anything like that um, until 1835 when Parliament outlawed. Yeah, so they banned the keeping of any house, pit, or other place for um, <laughs> baiting or fighting, and they listed bears, bulls, and dogs. Um, and so there, I was reading here that they had. Um, the same people who were putting to get together these large events that brought in a lot of money also uh, were developing the dogfighting and cockfighting rings. So in the uh, mid-1800s is thought that that's when they started, the immigrants started to bring the bulldogs into the U.S. along with terror, the bull and terrier crosses to the United States. And so dogfighting did continue in the states and certain states did start to ban them around that time as well or ban the um, act of dogfighting. But looking at a lot of the art, as I was searching and kind of getting all my photos together, I did see a very consistent theme across the older uh, depictions of people with their dogs. And it seemed to me that they were, I mean, obviously the dogs in the picture, it always said something about the era, about the person, about where they were in life, whether they were maybe a working class or lived in luxury or were an aristocrat or a hunter or anything like that. It, you can just tell that with the manners of the dogs and just the, the, the overall feeling, getting looking through all these images and the different timelines. I mean, there are people who had their dogs at their deathbed. So for those who cared for their dogs, I, I just do believe that at that time it was very different than now. Um, they held their dogs to a higher standard. They had little patience for, I think, the poor temperaments that we seem to forgive so easily today. And I believe that if we can get back to a time where we review the dogs and look at them as animals, yes, they are our pets and our companions and they're important to us. As I could see through a lot of these paintings that I dug through and a lot of these sculptures, uh, dogs have always been important to people, especially their own dog. Not that everybody always loved dogs and that they're treated the same everywhere, but for those who did love their dogs, they still treated them very well, fed them very well and still had certain requirements and standards for the dogs that would uh, be in their home with their children and uh, be allowed to walk through the community. I mean, so many dogs just kind of strolling around different streets. And it's like today, you've got so many that have behavior issues. And I really think it's coming from the demonization of breeders, when breeders are the ones who've gotten us to a consistent point where we can say, hey, these dogs are consistently well-mannered. They're consistently healthy. Um, they produce a certain type. And our, um, our breeders work really hard to preserve a lot of these breeds. And so this one here, the American Pit Bull Terrier, 
um, or American Staffordshire Terrier is one that a lot of people want to fight to preserve because it comes from so much history. I mean, the bulldog itself is, is a historical animal and it is um, part of the pit bull. And with all that time that they were breeding this dog so consistently, it just it's so clear that it's still within our dogs today. Um, and just because it's a, it was a tenacious animal doesn't mean that it was an aggressive toward people animal. It was not a dog that was attacking people. I, there was no gory images of the dog ripping people up. It was all part of the sport. And um, as I continue to go through the history, it is a very interesting history, and it certainly is dark as you get into the fact that it is a blood sport and we get into dog fighting because that's all a part of its past. So I just want to be very clear that I'm not condoning any of this. It simply is what it is, and I want to get it out there because there's so much false information. But along with it, I'm going to be mentioning that people thought very differently in those different time periods, so we cannot you know, put today's minds into the, that time frame or our culture that we're used to today and think that it, they were the same back then. However, they clearly had just higher standards for their dogs. And I think we need to today as well. And unfortunately, there's this animal rights movement that is really um, hurting purebred dogs, hurting the consistency that people have worked really hard to get out of so many breeds. And I will get into that more later. But episode one, uh, I did get into the temperament. Uh, temperaments of, of pit bulls and also just overall what my thoughts are on um, today's behavior in dogs and, and the way people are reacting and responding to it. Um, so go give that a listen if you'd like. I also have a video up on Rumble. If you go to AmericanZest.net, um, you can find the link to my Spotify, the link to Rumble, and then I'm also on TikTok at AmericanZest.net.